Hi, and welcome back to On Track Tips. This is Jason Weiser, and you're listening to the Get On Track, Stay On Track, uh, helping your small business one expert at a time. And today, our expert is Dan Krask from The Brand Shepherd. And for those of you that don't know Dan Krask, uh, you may have heard the expression, uh, jack of all trades, uh, master of none. Well, in today's marketplace, specialists are more highly revered than generalists. But uh, in the world of omni-channel marketing, the best professional is a generalist. And that describes my guest for today. As a branding expert, Dan Krask is the owner and lead designer for Brand Shepherd. And he works with clients that include professional athletes, Silicon Valley startups, and is responsible for several branding products with P&G or Procter & Gamble. Brand Shepherd is a design firm that's based in Cincinnati, Ohio. They focus on two major touch points, consumer packaging design and mobile first experiences. And uh, they're, more of a, they're more than a design agency. Uh, they're actually brand shepherds. They, they herd your brand assets, like your logo, your website, your packaging, your print media, and your advertising, all in one cohesive and consistent entity. So in this, uh, and in, fr in uh, his free time, Dan loves landscaping, family time, and playing his guitar. And a little known fact about Dan is if you ever walk into his office, you'll either hear power speed metal or bluegrass playing in the background. <laughs> Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, we all appreciate having you, and I tell you, I can see there's a lot of people on the call today, and so oh, you know the drill, folks, uh, over on the comment stream on the events tab. Go ahead and ask your, start asking your branding questions, your showboating, or your showrooming questions, uh, and we're going to get to those questions at the end of the show. I'm keep them short and keep them simple, and uh, we'll definitely get your name brought up on the screen with Dan and myself. If you're on Twitter, go ahead and start tweeting to the hashtag on track tips that's pound on track tips and over on Facebook we don't have a lot of people over there on Facebook so if you happen to be on Facebook uh, go over there and leave a comment and let us know that uh, you're over there watching Facebook tell a friend invite a friend somebody that you know that has a brick and mortar and say hey there's a fire hose happening and you gotta find out about it come on over and join Dan Krask from Brand Shepherd alright Dan uh, you know how this works we go fast we bang it out there so uh, we're going to dispense with any formal introductions, and we're going to dive right in. Is that cool with you? Yeah, that's great. Right on. Okay, so the first thing that we want to know, uh, why don't you just let us know, what is the purpose of branding, and why do you need a brand strategy? The purpose of branding is to tell your businesses or your brand's story. to do so consistently and uh, persuasively. The reason why it's important to have something like that is that it is often the the personality. It speaks on behalf of your brand all the time, 24-7. If you don't have it, it might be worth considering why you're in business at all. Really? Okay, yeah, so that's integral. Alright, so then what are some of the critical mistakes uh, that business owners make when they start out with their branding um, or rebranding? Yeah, so some of the mistakes that I get called into uh, correct uh, are when the business owner has aligned themselves with uh, a specialist. So the specialist tends to take very good care of that which they're specializing in. So if they specialize in web development or websites, the website looks fantastic. But when the customer touches the business in store, on shelf, in print, um, it's, it's not the same experience. It, it's often a diminished experience. And then the business owner is right back where they were with, with a diminished brand experience. Mm -hmm. So that kind of gets us into what uh, what is Omni... Uh, channel branding. I hadn't heard the expression until I started talking to you, and I know that I've had a number of people ask me that. So, uh, why don't you tell us what is what is this omni brand, uh, omni channel branding? What's that all about? 
Yeah, so Omni just being, you know, it's everywhere. And uh, today's marketer, whether you're a small business uh, or a medium or large business, uh, especially um, those who are wanting to, to meet their customers wherever they're at at multiple points, uh, they are equipped and ready to have the same experience for their brand or business wherever the customer or prospect uh, first encounters the brand. It could be print, it could be radio, could be web, social media, wherever, whatever. Uh, your branding is everything. It's uh, constantly speaking on your behalf. And if it's a different experience on one of those uh, different touch points, then the customer sometimes gets confused or they have a perception that maybe you're not who you say you are. Uh, so the omni-channel branding is, is really just an approach that says, you know what, it's not just about web, it's not just about print, packaging, it's not just about social media, it's everything. Everything has to have the same voice uh, and hopefully one that's herded into a nice uh, pack, which is where we come in. Yeah. Okay. So we, uh, in our first episode of our branding strategy series, we spoke with Dustin Stout and he came in and he talked about uh, logos and designs. He talked about having a consistent message across social media or uh, different marketing channels. And what, uh, what, what I'm understanding with Omni, uh, Omni channel branding, it's going to take me a minute to get that word, but uh, what I'm understanding about Omni channel branding is you take us literally off of the internet and out into the physical world. Right. So, uh, talk a little bit. Then um, we we work together on a project, and uh, I'll let you tell us uh, the name of the project, a little bit about the project. But I really want everybody to understand. I want you to illustrate what this means and all that all that was involved with uh, kind of all the touch points, as you say, of that of that sure. product. Mm -hmm. uh, to start with, uh, omni-channel branding is a both and and not a either or scenario. So it's both web and print, it's, it's a both and scenario where we're trying to be inclusive of all different types of media um, and we're not trying to exclude um, things just because they, they might be, uh, have a different perception. So the project that you're referring to is uh, a client of ours called uh, Jock Biz Sports. It's uh, co-founded co by two recent NFL retirees. Uh, they're still young guys, uh, just uh, had run their course in the NFL and they uh, one of them had become recently certified as a, uh, a player's rep to be an agent. And what they needed was, uh, as, as new people in this industry, they needed a brand that is strong and fresh and persuasive. So they, they hired Brand Shepherd to uh, do just that. So we started off with a website. And as a generalist, what I try to do is focus in on... Uh, and get the best possible people around me to focus in on the design. So uh, I have a couple of designers, and then I have a couple of developers, and then some printers and things like that. Always the best talent that I can I can find. So what we did first is we created a cohesive brand uh, visual experience. A lot of the stuff that Dustin talked about, um, consistent typography, colors, tone, uh, messaging, you name it, had to be consistent, had to be applicable across multiple touch points. The next thing that we did was we started to say, okay, we've got this great brand, uh, great branding, what do we do with it? So we started with a website, and that's where uh, we brought in uh, one of the best web developers I know of, Mr. Weiser, uh, <laughs> and we started to collaborate on, okay, what's, how can we make the, the experience of this website something that is going to be uh, engaging, uh, it's going to bring the brand attributes to life, it's going to have stopping power, people are going to want to really spend some time there, and all of that while telling the story of, of the company called Jock Biz Sports. 
So uh, Jason, you and I worked together on this project, and we put together a responsive uh, web website, one that is just a single website that responds to whatever device comes at it. And <clears throat> what ends up happening is that website turned into a, m multiple other touch points. We ended up taking that website and going through the entire sales process. Now, this is important to note because this is a service business. It's not a product. Um, and I think that this illustrates why omni-channel branding is important for all business types, and not just um, you know, the, the obvious, which is the makers of, of a tangible good. So what we did was we took the website, and we extracted the, the core information, and we thought through the process of what is it going to be like when these, these founders of Jacobus Sports come uh, you know, around the, the big game in the NFL, and what, what's happening when they're out talking to the draft picks of 2014. They're sitting in a living room. They're sitting in a hotel lobby. Uh, they're talking with these uh, prospects. They're about to be drafted by the NFL. What, what kind of process are they going through, and how can that be persuasive? So what we did is we created, um, we took the website, and we applied that to an iPad presentation, something that could be uh, easily just go through with uh, a few flicks of the fingers or uh, thumbs and, and go through the whole JockBiz story as they're talking it through. Obviously, that means simplifying text, simplifying imagery, making things big. It's an accompanying piece to, to the, the pitch. The next thing we did was we took those pages, and we're in the process of making uh, cell sheets. Those cell sheets are going to be inside a folder, a 9 by 12 pocket folder, that is going to be printed and uh, branded with JockBiz Sports branding as a leave-behind. The last piece in the puzzle was the business card. The business card is going to be handed over to the prospect, handed over to this uh, future draft pick, and this business card had to be instantly uh, communicating all the attributes of, of uh, Jockbiz Sports. We, we saw an opportunity there. So what I did is I found a company that makes some exceptional business cards that are very rugged. They have a, a tactile feeling to it that was very much in line with the Jockbiz Sports brand. It's a tough card. It's uh, it's made by Moo. It's about the thickness of three business cards stacked on top of each other. It's got some great branding uh, opportunities there. And what it did was when you, when I handed this card over to John over lunch the, the other day, and he saw it for the first time, he he spent probably you know 20, 30 seconds just looking at at the card. That's an engagement point. Even a business card is, is an engagement point. A lot of us look at business cards as you know LinkedIn tickets, ways to be a connection on LinkedIn. But it, it's another important point to bring the brand all together. Um, these kinds of things present opportunities, and it's generally up to uh, a branding specialist to identify those opportunities and make them cohesive under the whole scheme of things. Yeah, I think that is just so fascinating. And you also talked before about another one of your clients that was uh, ice cream, I think you said. Yeah. And uh, you, were, you were talking, uh, tell me just a little bit about that, uh, the glue, the packaging. How, how does that yes. all play in? Yeah, uh, the Colonel's Creamery is a startup uh, business or a startup uh, ice cream maker in northern Kentucky here next to the Cincinnati area. And um, so we created the, the brand identity. We created uh, menu boards for his shop and, and all kinds of other things. But uh, the reason why he, he worked with us is because we, we are very familiar with the whole process of how things are made. So as we're going through and we're, we're creating his pints, you know, everyone wants to, if you like the ice cream enough, you're going to want to take a pint of this stuff home. So when you uh, take a pint of it home, 
the, the wrapper that goes around the pint, uh, we thought through that process. And we thought, well, he's not going to keep 500 pints of ice cream in a, in a freezer. He's a startup. He might keep 20. So the label that makes up the pint has to be able to stay on the pints when they're in storage in some storeroom where it could get you know 80 degrees or 10 degrees, depending on if it's, uh, uh, it has air conditioning and heating. And it also has to stay on there when it's in the deep freeze and ready to go. So we worked through those processes. We talked to a printer that um, got us in touch with a glue maker, and we found just the right uh, glue that could go around the, the label and, and really work with it. So it's all those little touch points to make sure that there's nothing that's going to trip up uh, a consumer when they start engaging in eating this ice cream. Yeah, so I, I think what's so fascinating about talking with you over the time, and I hope that our viewers are able to get really grasp this, you know, that we're looking at, we're talking about everything from your mobile experience to your desktop experience to your actual physical experience with the, the business cards and the and if there's a video or any anything along the line. Uh, I was thinking about a little coffee shop. You know, let's let's think, you know, uh, okay, everything we're talking about in your clients, these seem to be big corporate clients, lots of money, high dollar, but, you know, a lot of people that are here listening to the show are just starting out. They're small businesses, they're local mom and pops, they're brick and mortars. So how can this apply to them? What's something that, that our listeners right now can take from all of this and uh, apply for their omni-channel branding? And maybe, maybe I should just ask this question. So what are the three tactics that you would do in order to prepare a brand? And, and when you answer that, uh, answer that as if you're answering for a small business or a brick and mortar. Okay. Well, I would say the, the three tactics that I typically advise is to take an assessment first. The first thing you got to do, if you're going to be serious about this, you have to sit down and, and take assessment of where the brand is. And I'm not talking about where you perceive it is. I'm talking about where it really is. Um, get some people around you that uh, are not just yes people. Get some people around you that will uh, speak in truth to you and tell you exactly where your, where your brand is, the good and the bad. Uh, a tool that we use is some initial branding questions that we'll do interview style or we'll send out to have the business owner answer in their leisure. But it's a tool um, that can be done either with the help of friends or uh, branding professionals to get an assessment. What, where is your brand online and offline? What's your packaging look like? What's the tags on the coffee cups you're selling inside the coffee shop? What's the countertop display sign that's next to the cash register. It, was that just kind of tossed together in Microsoft Paint, or does it actually look like it should belong in your store? Um, what are your business cards? What are your gift cards? What do those things look like? Really take assessment of, uh, of what's going on uh, with your brand. Um, the second thing, in terms of a tactic for uh, omni-channel branding, the second and third thing really working in tandem together uh, ultimately, they're going to have to be done one at a time, but you can really play off each other. And I'll, I'll tell them to you all at once here. Uh, the first thing is to print, use print smarter, and the second or the third thing is to utilize a responsive website. So the first thing is to use print in a smarter way. Everyone says, well, there's a, I should say there's a common perception out there that print is dead. Um, that is not true. Uh, print did not die. Print just got smarter. Print no longer has the weight that it used to have in terms of having to carry uh, all of the load of, of one's uh, branding experience. So print didn't die, it just got smarter. There's ways of using print in a very targeted way, very smart ways. 
uh, it still converts people, uh, still converts sales, still drives people to your website, to your store. It's just no longer a tool that is going to be uh, ubiquitous. It, you, you're just not going to have to use it as much as you used to. So use print. It's, it's a way sometimes to break through the clutter. Um, it, what I find what's really fascinating about print is I work with some tech companies here in Cincinnati and uh, in North Carolina, and they always call on me for their print work. They're, they're tech companies, but they still go out on uh, sales calls and uh, trade shows and stuff like that. And it's fascinating because even though their you know, business is IT, they still use sell sheets. They still use you know, cards and promos and, and things like that. They still need print. Um, so it's not dead. just needs to be used in a, in a smarter way. The third thing, third tactic really, is to get your website into uh, a responsive layout. And a responsive layout just means that it's one website that will auto-conform uh, its content to whatever screen is encountering it. Um, the days of having one static website that's not uh, optimized for mobile, that's gone. Um, if you're, I, I also am of the opinion that the days of a mobile-only website are, are going out. I think that what we're looking at for the foreseeable future until there's a better mousetrap is a responsive website so that whether it's a traditional iPhone, Android, whatever, or if it's a phablet or a 7-inch tablet, 10-inch, whatever the device is, you have one website that's greeting all users. So those three things, get, make an assessment, use print, and use your website in a responsive way. Those are the three tactics that I would give to any business, big or small. Okay, so I was, I, I've got a client in a uh, small town, uh, just small town USA. Uh, he has a karate studio, uh, but there's three karate studios in the area, and he wants to get a leg up on the other two. So I've been working uh, with his uh, website and uh, some of his internet properties, social media, SEO, but uh, I'm clueless, really, on what to do uh, with, with uh, print strategy. And he had said that one of his biggest, uh, some of his biggest consumers are, you know, or one of his best places to advertise is the billboard at the grocery store. You have this little place mm -hmm. where you can pin up your, pin up your business card or put a flyer or telephone poles. Uh, what are some ways that we can help transfer, uh, make that connection from, say, telephone pole advertising to my mobile website? What are some things we can do? Well, uh, I would say in the big picture. Uh, Write down on paper the things you always want to be uh, on your branded touch points. That's part of making a consistent experience. So it's as simple as saying, we always want our logo, we always want our tagline, and this is the way we're always going to represent our web address. Um, I advise people to not use HTTP, not use www. Those days are over. Just tell people where they're supposed to go, and they'll go there. So make it consistent, first of all. Um, Second thing is I would maybe even consider a, a QR code. Um, it's funny, back in 2009, 2010, uh, all the buzz was how the QR code was going to die. In 2011, it, all the buzz was the QR code was going to die. In 2012, the QR code was supposed to die. It's not dying. It's, it's here. Um, I don't think it's going to be the, uh, you know, the big bridge to digital that everyone maybe thought it was in the future, but all these technologies keep coming and going. NFC was huge a year ago, and now it's fizzled out. So I think, um, you know, being consistent, using some maybe a QR code, maybe not, um, just being consistent in your messaging, uh, whether it's print or digital, consistency is really the, the big key. 
Yeah, and uh, here's a, here's a, you know we usually do our questions at the end, but I think it's appropriate to bring this one up from Debbie right now, and uh, she's asking that for a business that is digital centric, that's not a brick and mortar. We don't have any products; we're only services. Uh, do you have any suggestions for using print to complement my business? And in fact, we have a lot of people on the call that I know are bloggers, indie authors, um, and. Uh, yeah, so talk a little bit about her question. Well, I think it's going to depend on uh, who who you want to talk to. Um, a lot of the companies that I work with that end up using print, they um, it's a service company, so they're offering a service where there it, there is human interaction, um, and you know, like like Jock Bisforce, they're they're actually you know working you know in in front of, of people and with people. Um, service companies that go out and you know service and provide services in different ways for the purely digital company uh, as I mentioned before a lot of those companies come to me for things like sell sheets and uh, you know making a smarter business card the one thing that I get a lot of requests for is is as simple as a note card something that is uh, has an exterior shell of, of the card that is well branded with a you know a thank you message or their logo and tagline the back of the card has the web address, um, some way to keep in touch, and then the interior is blank. And some really savvy marketers uh, who exist primarily only on the digital space uh, have me design those for them so they can send them out to specific people that help them, you know, whether it's an advertiser that's advertising on your website and you just want to say thank you. Um, it's a very effective way of keeping your brand in front of them because the thank you card is probably going to be pinned up somewhere or it's going to be set up on someone's desk. It's a very easy way to, to keep your brand out in front of people. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, I, I'm um, almost predominantly, almost exclusively online, internet, social media uh, development, and, uh, and I'm all the way over here in Ukraine, so I don't have any one-on-one -on -one interaction. Most of my, I would say 95% of my clients are in the, in the States and the East Coast, and uh, so print media is something that I just, you know, why, why even bother with it? But can I tell you, Dan, how many times even over here, I'll walk down the street, I'll run into somebody. I mean, there's, there's English-speaking folks over here, and there's people with businesses over here, and uh, I'll bump into them. They're like, hey, give me your card. Or do you have any information? And because my, my website is Webination Station, you can imagine the challenges of trying to transact that process on the go, you know, copying each other's, you know, trying to copy your phone numbers to each other or try to pass that information. Where do you put it on? You know, how do I send it to you mobily? What's your email? It just gets complicated. And it would be really nice if I just had at least that business card. So I think mm -hmm. it's important for us to, to think about that. We are getting a little bit close to the end. So we're going to have to, I want to scream through this last little part that we have. And I know I threw this at you at the last minute. But because responsive is such an important point. And by the way, folks, um, I only see a couple of you over there tweeting on, uh, on Track Tips. I want to give a shout out to uh, Debbie. Uh, who's over there tweeting faithfully, always faithfully tweeting. Shonda, you're over there fa faithfully tweeting. Um, and, uh, of course, Kenneth uh, Manasi, you're over there. Folks, if you're on Twitter, help us out. On track tips, pound on track tips. Also, let's get some questions in here on this comment stream um, so that we can bring them up and have Dan answer those questions in our Q&A as we wrap up. Uh, back to responsive. Oh, also, did I mention that uh, Dan is going to have something special for us uh, at the end of this, so stick around uh, to the very end here. I should have said that at the beginning. All right, here we go. Five points or five benefits. Uh, last week, Kenneth Manassi told us, don't focus on the features, focus on the benefits. So let's focus on talking about five benefits 
uh, of the responsive website. And, uh, in this day and age, we just absolutely cannot ignore responsive anymore. I've got some uh, points of my own, but uh, what, are you, what are some of yours? Well, uh, today I tweeted out uh, uh, at Shepherd on Twitter uh, a survey from Marketing Land that just underscores everything I've been saying for the last year to any, any company that has product or service that is interested in this uh, omni-channel branding approach. And that is that um, if you're in a store, if you're on the go, if you're wherever out and about, your website has to be uh, mobile optimized, ready for mobile, and the best, most efficient way of doing that is through responsive design. The survey, just real quick, uh, majority on MarketingLand.com uh, said the majority of smartphone phones in stores are not for e-commerce. They're being used for other uh, other means. So it's important to note that if your uh, your your customers, your prospects, they're on the go, don't make them have to log in uh, through a, or access you through a, a laptop. Uh, don't make them pinch to zoom. Uh, give them a website and experience that they can just focus on that content and then uh, be ready to engage you on things that actually matter, not not whether or not they can read your website or not. Um, you know, it, it accommodates all, all screen sizes. Uh, that's really the, the center point of, of responsive design is that you can access the same website on a tablet, a phone, wherever. Uh, it gives you all the all of the content, the same experience no matter what. Um, they're scalable. You can uh, add more content as you see fit. Um, trying to think of anything else. So those are the really key things that I think are most persuasive to business owners is just, you know, the thing that I hear most from business owners is, boy, we want that, we want a website that, that people can just see on their phones, you know, we don't, we don't like the, the mobile only theme. It's a dumbed down version of our website. How, how can we do that? And um, just a few months ago, this local cafe that I go to a lot called the Half Day Cafe, um, we took their existing website and we did just some very, very subtle refinements to make the website look refreshed. But the uh, on the the back end, the you know under the hood, it was a it was a responsive website. And so now their customers can check the menu and things like that from their from their phones. Yeah, so I'll I'll chime in here with uh, mine because that is one of my um, primary services that I offer is converting websites into responsive and um, combining multiple web properties. Some uh, of my clients have a blog and then they have uh, a website and they that are both static and we need to merge them together, make them responsive. And so here here are the benefits that I always tell. Uh, my prospective customers as I throw them out there. Not to okay, so here they are real quickly. Just like you said. Uh, you know, people are on the go, accessible. Consumers are in the streets. You need to be able to re meet your customers in the streets where they're, you know, four square, especially if you're a brick and mortar, especially if somebody's walking down the street, they need to find you. Okay, secondly, it accommodates all screen sizes. A lot of people think about mobile in terms of just uh, like mobile phone or responsive in terms of mobile phone, but a responsive website will accommodate very easily everything from your vertical uh, web uh, vertical on your telephone all the way up to the largest um, screen sizes and screen sizes now are reaching uh, the largest one out that uh, that I know of is 2050 2, 560 2560 by 600 I bet you'd like one of those huh Dan 
2560 by 1600. So a responsive website will accommodate all of that and everything in between. The the third benefit is that responsive websites are scalable, exactly like you said, Dan, um, because webs because mobile is the future. Uh, as from a developer standpoint, and I see Paul Steinbrook on the call. He's a developer. Um, because from a developer standpoint. Um, it's easy to change the style sheet and leave the HTML alone, and you can quickly and easily make that all versatile, which leads me to my fourth point. Google loves that. In fact, if you go to the Google developer's website, they tell you, um, and this is a quote from that. It says, Google recommends webmasters follow the industry best practices of using responsive web design, namely serving the same HTML from all devices and using only CSS media queries to decide the rendering on each device. That might be a little technical for some of our readers, but the point is, is that, it's, that Google likes to see uh, for SEO purposes, for search purposes, um, and for, for their robots to be able to index your site, they need to see that HTML very quickly, very easily, and they like to see that scale across um, all platforms. And lastly, uh, it's best to build a responsive website at the beginning of your branding process. Right, Dan? I mean, here you're hiring Dan Krass to do your branding process. You're going to go ahead and build this website. Don't waste your money and build a static website. Get right into it. Okay, now let's jump over, and I know we're running uh, over here, but we're going to, I'm going to go long on today's show because I want to make sure that we touch on showrooming. What is showrooming? Okay, we've all done this. You go into a store, you go into Target, and you find something that you like. Maybe you've uh, been driven in there by a, an ad or social media promotion, something like that. You find, or maybe the packaging has been designed by Brand Shepherd, and it just stops you in your tracks, and you just have to look at this thing. You pick it up, and you look at it, and you're considering buying it, but out comes your smartphone, and you want to see, hey, is there a better deal on Amazon, or what is this company about? I've never heard about them. Wonder if there's some info. Maybe you Google it. Maybe you, um, you know, do a little research online to see if there's a better deal or more info. Maybe there's a coupon out there that you can use in store. Um, that's showrooming. Um, it's a big deal to Retailers of all sizes, uh, from the mom-and-pop retailer all the way up to the big um, corporate uh, retailers. And it's a big deal because some consumers are doing this to find products they like, but then uh, add it to a wish list on Amazon or, or you know, do something else later and make that purchase away from the store. So what, ed what ends up happening is that the retail level their products end up being like showrooms. There isn't a purchase being made. And so what is a problem ends up being an opportunity, I think, because it's a point where product makers and marketers can create some more, some kind of more compelling engagement. We can't really control the price of these things. That, that is something outside of our control. But we can control uh, what does the packaging look like? How, how urgent did we make it make the case for them to get to the store to buy these things and I'm not talking about things that are just at Walmart or Target or you know a grocery store or something like that I mean I'm talking about things that could be at your local IGA maybe you're uh, like my, my, my ice cream maker uh, client he, he is not a big business at all um, he's just starting out and he wants to sell inside of grocery stores and, and send people away so he wants to make sure that his product can be sold right there in the spot from the stores that are buying it from him. Okay, so that's that's showrooming. And, then, and now people say that you want to um, find ways to combat showrooming. Why is it that a, that a, a producer, a product maker, a business wants to try to combat show, showrooming? Well, 
it, it comes down to the sale of the of the thing you know, that, that's being sold. Uh, if you're working with a retailer, you're actually selling to them and not to the end user. So you want the retailer, and again, I'm not talking about Target or Walmart or any any of these big companies. That's obvious. I'm also talking about the smaller retailers. As grocery stores are a great example. A lot of grocery stores are um, regional or you know local. Cincinnati has a big grocery store called Jungle Gyms. There's two of them. Um, they're gigantic, and one of my clients is a cheesemaker, and he's available. His products that we design for are in both uh, gro grocery stores. So you want to make sure that people can buy the stuff in store right there when they get and encounter the product. You you don't want them to get to the store and then come back and you know go home and, and, and buy the product then. You really want to make the case that it's urgent or it's compelling to buy the product right then and there. Instead of taking a picture of it, going to Amazon, going to eBay and looking for the deal, right? Yeah, because then if if uh, if it's not compelling, then the, the, the retailer doesn't is less inclined to buy more product from you. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you gotta get that channel in there. All right, so let's let's run through these uh, questions real quickly. Uh, Alex Harris wants to know: Does the beard make you uh, more creative? I don't know if we have to answer that or not, but it I does. think it's kind of cute. Actually, it has its own soul, and <laughs> I don't want to speak about it too much because um, it's very sensitive, and its sensitivity is why I'm more creative. Oh, right on, and, uh, and, and that's that, and that that explains your your nickname, right? The what what is what's the nickname? The Gingerbeard Man. Yeah, the Gingerbeard Man. I love it. I think it's great. So David Leopold tells us that uh, his business card is only a QR code. David, that's pretty interesting. Uh, Lowell Ann wants to know, um, what about digital business cards? Do you have any quick answer about digital business cards? I don't even know what that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that um, you know, lo, lo, uh, lo, there are uh, sites like, say, About Me or Only Only One um, that that are these places where you can go and list all of your web properties. Oh yeah, sure. Um, maybe yeah. that's maybe that's what you're what you're talking about. But you know, I think today what we really wanted to focus on was 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 trying to make that. Uh, uh, case that we want to be able to span from print all the way over into digital. So Lowell, I'll make sure to come in and have this discussion with you a little bit further and give you some ideas of some places where that are make really good uh, templates for digital business cards. Um, and uh, Catherine's asking, is Dan Krask on G Plus? Yes, and that gets us to uh, Dan. How can people get a hold of you? On uh, I, I would suggest uh, looking at any Branch Shepherd social outlets. Uh, if we're at at Brand Shepherd on Twitter, we're very active on uh, Google Plus. Um, you can uh, circle me uh, personally. You might not like my content, but uh, but yeah, Brand Shepherd is on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, and LinkedIn. Yeah, and you feel free to look me up on LinkedIn too. I'll, I'll gladly uh, accept you. Excellent. So, um, and then Roosevelt just is uh, mentions that interesting that Dan mentioned showrooming. We are introducing a new device next week that helps small businesses use showrooming to their advantage. So maybe Dan, you and uh, Roosevelt might want to connect and make a make a connection uh, afterwards. It's a big opportunity. Showrooming is a big opportunity for product makers. Great. 
Great. So uh, that pretty much gets us right to the end of the show. Dan, I am so grateful that you took the time to come on. Sorry, everybody, that we went a little bit long. We're trying to keep these things short and simple. My name is uh, Jason Weiser. You're listening to the On Track Tips series. And you can come over to ontracktips.com where you can hear uh, past experts uh, talking about different topics or interviews. You can listen to them on podcasts. You can read them on a blog. And we've been... Uh, We've got the mini ebook blog over there. So if you like reading, if you like lots of content, then that's the place for you. Head on over to ontracktips.com. If you enjoyed your, uh, this episode today, make sure you tweet it using the hashtag pound on track tips. And make sure you stop by the comment stream afterwards and continue the conversation. Ask Dan some more questions. Ask myself some questions. And we're saying goodbye today for our, from Get On Track, Stay On Track, helping your small business one expert at a time. We're saying goodbye to our expert, Dan Krask. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me. 